Welcome, everybody. Boy, I'm loud this morning. You all can hear me. So we're always excited. We, we did a little transition this year. We changed the title from Missions Conference to Mission Summit. So let me explain, and I know this is a little bit of a change in our thinking. This is why we did that. What is, what is a conference? A conference is where you go in and sit down, and you're you know, trying to drink coffee and stay awake. And uh, it's where people are conferring back and forth with each other. And conferences, you know, anyway. We began to think we're really not in different missions. We are all doing the same mission. Our, our goal is to what? Is to share the gospel of the grace of God through the person of Jesus Christ with every person because we believe that literally Christ wants us to do that. That is the Great Commission, go into all the world and share the gospel, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. So we're all working on the same mission, to point people to our Savior Jesus. Okay, so our mission, now what about a summit? Well, a summit is like the peak, you know, it's the height. So what we want to convey to you is that mission, and that is getting people who can do what we can't and go where we won't, to reach people that we never will, getting people and partnering with them, we understand from the New Testament that when we do that, we are actually sharing in their labor and in their fruit. And if you've never done a study on this in the New Testament, let me just share a quick summary. The Apostle Paul, when he was in the church at Philippi, told them, I am looking forward to the day when I stand there and you are able to share in my labor. He looked forward to the day when they stood before Jesus because that church partnered with him, they would share in his reward. So what we want to do is transform everybody's mind to think this is the one opportunity we have a year to see and touch and hear and pray for and listen and partner with people who are actually going and doing what we can't do. I'll give you one example. I just got back from the Middle East, and while I was there, a couple of different students came in, and one of them was discipling 200 people from another religion. Now, 200. I don't know that we have 200 here this morning, but the way I say that is one man was impacting probably more people than we have in here right now, and those people, he said, were impacting many more. So, I shared a couple of lectures, and he came back and said, I'm going back and sharing everything that you said with all those people. That's what I'm getting ready to do. There was another man there who was teaching another group of people who were probably 20 to 30, and they had people under them, and they were multiplying and spreading. So I began to sit there in my chair thinking, unbeknownst to me, 200, who knows how many. And then there was another man who was an evangelist, who was taking notes and all into this, this subject, who was going to go back and share with hundreds. And I, I began to get overwhelmed as I started to think that God, through, through the one person, is reaching hundreds of people who in turn reach others. And when we see Reuben, and we see Doug, and we see Eric and Christana, and we see Adam and Faith, I think about the radio broadcast, seeing pictures of people out in huts, with radios listening to the gospel of Jesus and Bible teaching and sharing it, my point is we have a chance to reach all over the world through just partnering with a few people. 
And so this morning, I want to share some of those people. And I, I was in missions, and I hated having to get up in front of people. But it's really the only way that people get to know your beautiful faces. So uh, Doug and Reuben, come on up. Adam, come on up. Eric and Christiana, I know. You don't have to bring your kids. We do not subject children to this. My boy said, Dad, we hated it when people embarrassed us. But we do want you all to come up. For this main reason, we want people to see your face. Now, we had Robert could not be here this morning, and Gerald Chevet and his wife Ann will be here later tonight, and Faith will be here with Adam. But let me share a quick connection. I was in Bible college. Adam, how old are you now? I'm 39. Okay, I was, an, I was 11 years older than Adam, which when he's 18 and I'm whatever that is, we don't, want to do that. We don't even want to do that. <laughs> he, he was like, you know, one of my, my boys now. And I was felt like an old man. And there was Sharon and Greg Cooney, who were also in there, and they didn't know they were coming today. But the big kicker was Adam's wife, Faith, was in Paraguay learning while Eric and Christiana were teaching school and decided, hey, we want to go on a mission trip. And Christiana ends up teaching Adam's wife. This was all news to me. See how God works, and it's kind of a small, big world, isn't it? So we're so thankful for them, but I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you and where they serve, and you'll hear more from them this week. So go ahead, Adam. Well, good morning. I'm Adam, and I'm missing the better half of me and the rest of my family, too, but uh, they'll be with us for the rest of the conference. But we're from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and we're serving in Togo, West Africa, on our behalf for the mission that we have uh, going forward. Good morning. My name is Ruben Meriako. I'm from East Africa, the country of Kenya. It's my second time here, <laughs> and I'm glad to be with you. I'm uh, leading a ministry called the Pokot Outreach Ministry, founded by Julius Murgor, who is a long time uh, been partnering with this church, and uh, I've just transitioned to his role. He's been elected to be a Kenyan senator, and he also brings his greetings. And I'm so happy to be with you. Hmm. Hey, good morning. I'm Doug Radford. I work with Harvesters International. And of course, uh, Harvesters, if you're not familiar with us, we partner with indigenous nationals serving in their own culture throughout Africa and Asia. And of course, Reuben is uh, one of our partners serving in Kenya, Uganda, and the South Sudan. I'm all the way from Wilson, North Carolina. Very glad to be here. Look forward to the rest of the week. I'm excited to hear what God is doing in all these locations. That's what I love about these summits, mm. is to hear all the different things God is doing in so many different places. So we encourage you to come and to be part of that, to be encouraged and be blessed and be challenged through all that. Uh, my name is Eric Richardson. This is my wife, Christana. And we have been serving in France for 11 years. And we are currently looking at transitioning into England. We've been doing church, helping with church planting and among several other things, and we look forward to, you know, talking about, sharing more about that sometime later on this week. All right, that's good. All right, let's give them a round. Thank you. You can just stay, you want to go get your stuff? Okay. Yes. So I want to read one passage to you this morning. This is in Revelation chapter 12, and this is what the passage says. Revelation 12:10 Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens It has come at last salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth the one who accuses them before our God day and night 
And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the enemy has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has a little time. You and I are living prior to this day in which the enemy is wanting to let loose his raging vengeance on the world. But we will win because Jesus wins. And we have a chance to partner with great folks all around the world. And one of them is Doug Radford. Doug, as he said, comes from Harvesters International. And Doug's going to share a message this morning. Who does tonight? Who does tonight? Reuben gets to speak tonight, but before Reuben, who else shares? Adam, our Hope Radio guy. And you don't want to miss this, so make sure you come, all right? Thanks, Doug. Here we go. Good deal. Hey, good morning again. It is uh, really good to be here for the uh, Mission Summit. I appreciate uh, the heart of the approach. We all are on the same team. I appreciate uh, the pastor and just the opportunity to share with you today, uh, which came up just a few days ago. So again, excited about that. And I, I love the scripture. And truly, Jesus Jesus is the victorious. Amen, church. I, I'm just curious, who, who won the World Series a few weeks ago? Anybody remember? Who was it? The Astros, I see some people shaking their head in disgust. Anyway, yeah, that's right, it was the Astros. Who won it last year? Who's that? The Braves won it last year. Year before. Man, you guys are sharp. Year before that. Somebody different? What, what, what do you notice about that, guys? It's a different winner every year, right? And, and I think about when I see these guys celebrating, uh, uh, the winning the World Series, other things, and uh, Reuben and I have been traveling for the last couple of weeks, and I've been introducing him or trying to explain to him American baseball and that kind of thing. So we've been watching the World Series. Now, the thing about when the, uh, when the Astros won, they were celebrating. They were very excited. You know what occurred to me? Next year, they may be at the bottom of the league, right? They may be at the bottom. Who knows? Chances that they would win again, probably pretty slim. But I'm thinking about how we celebrate a champion, a winner that's always the winner, right? That Jesus always is on top. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. That does not change. That we celebrate something that is steadfast, that is sure, that is eternal. And that stirs my heart, stirs my spirit. And again, thank you so much for your partnership with, uh, uh, with Harvesters. We appreciate the chance to be part of your fellowship of believers, part of what Trinity is doing around the world. And so we give humble thanks uh, to all of you in all sincerity. I'm from Eastern North Carolina. People say I have a southern accent. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, uh, yeah, you nod your head, absolutely. I was up in New York a few weeks ago. They're great people. They love Jesus, but they talk funny. So it's really good. It's really good to be back with some folk who maybe to some degree have the accent that I have. So again, very humbled, very excited. Today we're going to look at some scripture. And uh, uh, the verses on your screen there probably got to be one of the most familiar verses in the Bible, I know maybe Psalm 23 may be more well known. I'm not sure, but certainly within evangelical Christian believers, as ourselves, we know John 3:16, and we know it. Uh, we know it from heart. It says, "For God, well, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, 
but have eternal life. We're going to talk about that for a little bit today. And, and think about those first few words, especially, for God so loved. You know, according to your website, and we all know that next to the Bible, all truth comes from the Internet, right? But on your website, it says the purpose of your mission summit, guys, is to encourage you to engage in world missions. Am I right, Pastor? To encourage you to engage in, in sharing uh, the Word of God, to stir your hearts, to react to the darkness in the world, the need in our world, by taking your role in spreading the good news of Christ and making disciples. That's what we're here uh, this day and this week, next couple of days, to do so. So we want to, we want to do that. We want uh, uh, to see you uh, encouraged through the supporting that you give in prayer and certainly in giving and, and, and supporting those who go to places that you never will. To meet people, as the pastor said, that uh, you'll never meet. To support those. And also, I think we also want to encourage you even right here locally. Amen. I mean, this is part of the world. And I know you have Christiansburg in your name. But I suspect there's still plenty of opportunity to share Christ right here in the community that you live. So we want you to be encouraged, to be challenged at that. You know, uh, to do that rather. And when we look, when we look at the world, there's no doubt about it, uh, we see a lot of dark things. Amen. When we look at our world, we see things that give us trouble, that give us grief. We see the darkness in our nation. And when we do that, when we look around, there are several reactions we can have to our world, right? And, and when we look at the darkness, we see the things happening. One of the things that comes up sometimes is disgust. Amen? And because let's face it, there's a lot of things in our world that disgust us. Is that true today, friends? So many things in our country, in our world, when we see the darkness and the reality of the world that we live in. It's a very natural reaction for those of us who, who do our best to embrace the righteousness and life and living that God has called us to, to see that. And we see our world and our country where the destruction of unborn lives is celebrated, the right to do that. It, it totally blows my mind when we see mockery of holy things in our country, of people uh, have contempt for God and His Word openly, whatever is easy in the natural reaction of our flesh and even of our own perceptions of what people ought to be living like to respond with disgust. Have you ever felt that way? I'm sure that we all have from time to time, from place to place. You know, another way we can uh, re respond to our world, some people res respond with despair. With despair and distress and with fear. And let's be honest about it. If we were not members of the kingdom of God today, we would naturally be fearful amen we'd be concerned we'd be distressed about the world that we live in you know and i don't think as much about me i think about my beautiful little granddaughter right i got a granddaughter year and a couple of months old man I, you know she is just she has changed our world i got a picture on my phone i'll be glad to pass it around if you want to see her her name is charlie her name is actually charlotte we call her charlie and i love her with all of my heart just like i do my own two daughters but i think about the world that charlie's going to grow up in you know, and if I was not a believer in Christ today, I would be filled with despair and distress to look around and see the culture and the way things are headed. And I know people, and I even know believers who struggle with distressing over the status of our world today and the things that are happening. It's very understanding. We think about uh, how our culture will impact those that we love as well as ourselves. How is what I see as a great turning away from God in so many places, how is it going to impact our churches and the things that we hold dear? So certainly, a response to despair is understandable. 
outside of our understanding and knowledge of whose we are, who we serve, who our Lord is, and upon whom we depend on a daily basis. But yet despair can rise up in our response to the world that we live in, in doubt, in fear, and concern. But you know what? I think God would have us to respond to all this by pointing people to Jesus. Amen? That's how God would have us to respond, church. That's what we're called to do, to point people to Jesus, not to become consumed with the symptoms, but to become consumed with spreading the news of the cure, to spread the cure, instead of focusing, just zero in all the time on the symptoms which are so prevalent and so in our face. It behooves us to stay focused upon who we are in Christ and what our calling is and what our mission is here on this earth is to point people to Jesus Christ and to point them there, point them there with every opportunity that God gives us. I want to share a quick story with you. I robbed this from Reuben. He's been using it in his presentation, but I'm, I'm going first, so I get to use it. This is, this is a cool story. And trust me, he's got more stories than you shake a stick at, right? He's got plenty to despair. But I love this story of this man behind me. His name is Philip. And Philip uh, lives in Kenya. And Philip was uh, one of those uh, fellows that would cause you to disgust and despair. Uh, Philip, although I've never met him, Reuben has, but I've never met him. And I trust Reuben to tell the truth about this story. Philip was a drunkard. An alcoholic, he was abusive to people in his community. He was the kind of guy that you would avoid at all costs. And he had a family, four children, right, young children. And, and Philip just became dis- disgusted with his own life, if you will, and, and just was despairing over his own, his own plight. And, and so, so Philip one day decided that his main problem was his wife and his children. Now, we know that's simply not the fact, but he, he, he perceived that he could just get away from his family. Things would be better for him. So he, so he packed up and, and he moved uh, and he just abandoned his family, right? And he moved away to a far village. And I like the way Reuben puts it. He, he thought he was leaving behind, but he couldn't leave behind God. God was there with him. And he moved to this new village and he became uh, to behave in the same manner as he did as he lived back at home. And he was a drunkard. He was lying in the streets drunk. He was abusive to people. He was harsh. He was rude. He was just the kind of guy that everybody, for lack of a better term, would love to hate, would love to just say, well, you just go away. Do you know anybody like that? Yeah, you're not, you're hoping not in this room. But anyway, yeah, there's those kind of people in this world. We know that. But yet God ordained an evangelist to come to this man one day to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you got it, guys. He received that by faith. He recognized his symptoms and he knew what the cure was. He knew the sickness was a sinfulness broken uh, relationship with the living God, and he found the way to restore that through the person of Jesus Christ and faith in him. And immediately change, immediately uh, uh, happened in Philip's life. And, and very quickly, he told the local folk there among the community where he was living, he says, I want to go back and I want to get my family. So they gathered a little money, and they uh, gave him the funds to provide transportation back to the village. And there he found his family. He was reunited with them. Uh, they were shocked. They were blown away. The first thing he does is he gathers them up, and he moves them 
him back to the locality where he had been living for the last four years. He had been going away. He brings his family there, and the local folks in that village are like, wow, you really do have a family. And God has used this man now, and you can see here in the next photograph, God has used him to lead a fellowship of believers there, teaching the Word of God. He's recently started a second fellowship of believers. God is using him to multiply the goodness of Christ in the lives of these people as he shares the gospel story. And it all happened because somebody sent by God took the time to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with Philip. What a beautiful response to somebody who was one that would disgust us, that would bring us to despair to even be nearby. The lesson is we go as God goes in love. You know, God's reaction to the condemned world was what, guys? To love it. And then what? It says, for God so loved the world, right? He was motivated by love. His reaction to a condemned world was to bring the opportunity of salvation. His reaction to a disgusting, despairful world was to, was to send for it the light of Jesus Christ. And he has sent us to extend that on and on. I like what it says in uh, John three seventeen. It says what? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The reality is the world was already condemned, right? He didn't have to come condemned. It was already condemned. It was already broken, already separated from the love and the relationship with God. He didn't have to send him. The, the world was indeed perishing. And the reality is, friends, the world still is perishing. Amen? The world and those outside of Christ are still perishing today. And the word literally means they are bound for utter destruction, living in utter destruction. We do not have to look far to see the destruction and the brokenness that sin brings. It takes no imagination to see the impact of sin in our world, does it, friend? Broken lives, broken homes, broken people, broken cultures and nations, all because of disobedience to God and a lack of relationship and submission to Him. Is that correct, friends? You don't have to look. You see it. You see the impact. You see the impact of the fallen nature of humanity. Friends, let me tell you, I see it every day in the mirror. Amen? We see it every day, even in our own lives, uh, the things that we have to bring into submission to God out of our own flesh. We see and we witness firsthand, if we're honest, we're honest with ourselves, the brokenness of sin, even in our own lives, as we, as we as followers, as disciples, embrace the Word, apply our lives, and follow after Christ. We see it, and we understand, as a church, as New Covenant believers, we understand that the destruction that we see evidence of today that's coming from sin culminates and an eternal separation from God in torment in hell. You know, some people are, are afraid. Hell's a reality. We, we speak of it because, not because we're just anxious for certain people to go there. And I've heard it preached that way before. They preach on hell and I can't wait for certain folks to get there. If you can't preach, if you can preach hell without a tear in your eye, you may want to reconsider preaching hell today, friends. We see and we know it's a reality, but we won't with the love of God in our hearts to reach people to avoid that end and to bring them into that relationship with God that we enjoy and experience. The love of God extended through us. We understand destruction, man. It's easy. 
But you know what? We also rejoice. Amen today, church. We rejoice. We rejoice in the eternal life that God has provided. And friends, let me tell you, my eternal life with God began at the moment I embraced him into my heart as a 12-year-old boy. My eternal walk with the Lord started then. I ain't got to wait to get the glory, to experience the glory. God's glory is pouring out even here on our lives as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And Lord, what a blessing it is. And we rejoice in his grace, in his forgiveness, in his great patience, in his restoration of our relationship with him, our Father God. We rejoice in our salvation from destruction. I love this verse of Scripture. It's in Colossians chapter 1. I'm just going to read it to you. Colossians chapter 1, Paul here says, Give me thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And I love verse 13, who hath delivered us. Listen, friends, he hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That shouting words, friends. Think about what that means. Being delivered from a place of utter destruction into a place of fellowship and utter glory through our Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ and our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. That is good stuff. And it stirs my heart and my spirit to want in the love of God to go forth and spread the gospel. Right here in Christiansburg, in all those places you'll never have opportunity to visit, that some of which are represented here today. It's our understanding of that truth that becomes the basis for our desire to engage in the mission. Amen? The understanding of that truth is what is the basis for our desire to engage in that mission, the making of disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can see and understand just as God did and how God responded in love. That's what motivated him. Again, we said, what was his motive? According to John 3.16, it was love. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave that unearned, unmerited love that he gives you know what have you ever experienced this to beyond your relationship with the lord have you ever experienced unmerited unearned love in action it's a really really cool thing let me share a quick story with you to help me really as a young boy appreciate unmerited unearned love and how to react to that and i was a little fella and i was old enough to know better than what i i don't remember exactly how old it was i was old enough to know better i was probably six seven eight years old and and I remember one day I was out in the front yard playing, right? And, uh, and I looked up, and Mama was, was at the kitchen uh, window there washing dishes in the sink, looking out over the front yard. And I was poking around there one day, and, uh, that day, and I, I found an old uh, screen door spring. You know what I'm talking about? About that long, big old screen door spring. You know, they, where I grew up, we had those things. And, and whatever, and I had just a bright idea that I thought crossed my mind. I went and got that spring. And I went and I laid it in the grass right there. And I'm standing right Mama's in the window. And I lay that spring in the grass. And I, and I back up. And I say, Mama, Mama, it's a snake. It's a snake. Mama, it's a snake. It's a snake. Oh, Lord. Mama come tearing out the end door of the house, right? She run around there. Get back. Get back. We all scared of snakes. Get back. Get back. She run up there. And she looked. And it wasn't a snake. It was a spring. Well, Mama stood up. And Mama started crying, okay? And then I did something exceedingly foolish. I laughed at her. thought it was funny. thought it was funny. Well, forthwith, two things began to occur, okay? 
First thing was, right there in the front yard, she pulled my britches down and she blistered my butter beans. Okay, I'm telling you, she did. She wore it out. I'm like, Mom, this car's passing by. Mama didn't care. Well, she was just, she was tearing up my tater bow. I tell you, I was, I, this been over 50 years ago, and I still remember. I get a tingling in the seat of the pants. Okay, anyway, I remember that. And that's the first thing that happened because I had laughed at her, right? But then the second thing that happened, and I remember this clearly, and she's, when she got through whipping me, she snatched me up, and she took me up, and she sat me down on the front steps, and she stood in front of me. And with a tear in her eye and a tremor in her voice, she said, you don't understand how much I love you. You don't understand what I risked and went through to give you life. You don't understand that I would do anything to make sure you had everything you need up to and including giving my life for you. That's how much I love you. So please never mock my love for you again. And I remember that well. I remember it exceedingly well. My mother was a great, incredibly godly woman who went on to be with the Lord just a few years ago. But all my life, I never forgot that whooping, and I never forgot her words. And it made me, there's a young boy, think a little more about how much, think a little more about how much mama really loved me. And it meant so much to me, and it still, it still does. And the beautiful thing is, mama kept on loving me. Even after I laughed at her over her expression of her concern for me that day when she cried about that quote-unquote snake, she kept on loving me. And we just were blessed with a wonderful, beautiful relationship. And for me, I think uh, next to experiencing the love of God in my life, experiencing the love of my mother was right, right there. You know, it helped me understand and see that. Think about the love of God that He has expressed in your life. In Romans 5 and 8 says that while you were still and I was still a sinner, God demonstrated His love for us by sending His Son as a sacrifice. Think about that for a moment. And think about the image of Christ on the old rugged cross. Think about the suffering. Think about the willingness that he had to bear our sin, our guilt, our shame, so that we could be restored to a right relationship with God the Father. Think about that unmerited, undeserved love. Think about that love that led John to be able to write for God, or Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave. Think about Think about that love. And when I think about that love, and I ponder that love, and I meditate on that love, it stirs my heart to want to share that love with other people. Because that's what people need. They need the love of God expressed through Christ that they may embrace in faith what it is that God has done for them and what God wishes for them. And may it always be love, friends, that stirs us in our ministry. May it always be love that stirs us into serving the Lord. Never pride or self-glorification. That can slip in if we're not sharp. Amen. That can slip in. We want to we wanna attempt to, uh, to rob God of His glory. Not even fear. Not even just obligation and sheer obedience. And I pastored for a lot of years and I was perpetually asking somebody to do something, right? And, and you know, and, and, and people sometimes would submit just out of sheer obligation, sheer obedience and maybe that works it doesn't work very well though does it 
What works is when people love the Lord and desire to serve Him to use their gifts. You know, even Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience is an expression of our love for Christ. And so by loving God and the people He loves, which is everybody, we're moved to serve others, to spread to spread the gospel, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. From purely a missions perspective, you know, Christ set the example and he issued the instructions, didn't he? He set the example of selflessness, of giving. Uh, he set the example of obedience to God the Father, motivated by love. He set all those examples and he gave us the instructions, plain and simple and clear. He gave us what? The Great Commission, you know, and it wouldn't be a mission some without a reading that's been referred to already. God gave, or Christ gave us the Great Commission to spread disciples to, and spread the gospel to make disciples. Matthew 28, 19, he says, What? Go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And man, those apostles jumped on that and they began to implement that, right? And they began to go out and to, and to spread that gospel as God opened the door and sent them in different directions. And, and the reality that we here today are direct descendants of the work that began after Pentecost. The disciples went out. We could, if we had the information, we could trace our lineage back to theirs. God used people. More and more people and people reaching people that reach other people to reach other people to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, the beautiful thing is he still called us to participate in that. You know, God could have chose to write the gospel in the sky if he wanted to, but he chose people. He chose to use his people to spread that word. The apostles embraced that call. The early church implemented it, and we're the beneficiaries of it today. And, you know, I just sort of see this as a flow, that, and a flow that continues through us, because should the Lord tarry, there's another generation after us and a generation after that to be called to do the same thing, to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we, again, are encouraged and want to engage in what it is that God has plainly told us to do through the Great Commission, through the example of Christ. And also from a mission perspective, and this is, this is a kind of a big thing with Harvester's Cross, also it set the example of love expressed in meeting need. Christ also set the example of, of meaning he fed the multitudes. He brought healings to others. He ministers to, to mind, body, soul, and spirit. He's a holistic God. He cares about every aspect of who you are, guys. He, he's not just wanting to save your soul from damnation and hell. He cares about every part of who you are. And we see Jesus moving in that. And we, and we see the instructions uh, that, that was given in 1 John 3, 16. Uh, and we'll read this. 1 John 3, 16 says, By this we know love. We're talking about the love of God as a motive. It says, By this we know love that He, being Christ, laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in, in, in deed and in truth. That's a big part of missions. Now here the, the verse specifically speaks to meeting the needs of brothers and sisters in Christ. The material physical needs here. Uh, 
when the writer here gives the uh, gives puts meat on the bones, if you will, of that about laying down your life through the practical meeting of practical needs. We saw it in the early church, man. Read about it in the book of Acts as they were uh, taking care of one another in an incredible way, selling their property so that others could have that were in need. And we see that expressed among the brothers. This verse speaks to the brothers. But I tell you, from a missions perspective, we see that bearing great fruit. Uh, Reuben talked about his ministry and in other places, the harvesters work, things like water wells and orphan care and, and feeding people and just meeting basic needs opens the door for the ministry of the gospel. So from a missions perspective, expressing love, not only in preaching the gospel, but in touching the needs of one's life is a valid and a vital way to move forward to see the gospel spread. So we encourage you as you pray about it, even locally. In other places where your partners see how that might play into your mission's work. I tell you what's really interesting nowadays. And we see this throughout sub-Saharan Africa. And I don't know about Togo, but you see the wealthy North African nations and the Middle Eastern countries, predominantly Muslim, Islam, pouring bucket loads of money. My brother's not in head, Togo, other places, pouring bucket loads of money into sub-Saharan Africa. You know what they're doing there? What are they doing there? They're not coming in with guns and, and bombs. They're coming with schools. They're coming with food. They're coming with wells. They're coming with all the humanitarian things that Christianity has done for a lot of years. And they're coming there for the express purpose of winning converts to Islam. They're doing it through these practical, humanitarian-style outreaches that are bearing fruit. We just learned on the way up yesterday of, a, of another well in South Sudan where Reuben is also serving there and leading a ministry that was put in by Islamic Relief. So we see that happening, and we know that it works. And what we experience in a lot of places, people, that we serve is almost... It's almost like a race to get there first in a lot of localities. Now, that is not to say that the gospel cannot displace the lives of Satan. We know that it can, but I'm going to tell you, it's great to be there, to share that gospel up front. It really is. So I encourage you to think in missions in those terms. But most importantly, friends, I pray today that we would be stirred with a heart of love. A love for God and a love for for the people that God loves. And John 3.16 said, I forgot I had him still up there. Sorry about that, Philip. Didn't mean you had to do all that. John 3.16 says, For God so loves. We pray for the love of God to stir our hearts, for a clear discernment of what the Spirit is speaking into your life, into your heart. I can assure you we all have a role to play we all have a role to fulfill it may vary some of you may be called to go some of you may be called to stay we're certainly all called to pray love my brother's song we're all called to be supportive and giving as god leads us by his spirit certainly but the thing to do to, that i'm challenging today again is listen to the spirit ponder the love of god which has meant so much in all our lives Think about what that means to you on a daily basis. Let that love stir you, stir you into obedience to what it is, again, God is calling you to do.
Can we pray together? Is the the, the I'm play another song? I suppose that's going to happen now. Invite them to come up. If that's indeed the plan, would you stand to your feet and let's pray together? And then I'll just turn it over to the to the music team and the pastor to, to close this out today. Okay. Father, we love you today. We thank you, Lord, for the truths of your word. We thank you, Father, for the richness of your grace in our lives. We thank you, Lord, just for how you've poured out your spirit upon us, Lord, as believers in Christ. And, Lord, we do pray, Father, for a sensitivity to your spirit. We pray, Father, that uh, through your spirit and the witness of your word, Lord, our hearts be stirred, Lord, to to that place you would have us to be. Uh, in regard to every aspect of our Christian life, but certainly, Lord, as it pertains here as we focus on on mission, Lord, both local and supporting those and praying for those, Father, who go, who go other places we can or, or, or don't go. And we'll thank you for that, Lord. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do uh, uh, the rest of this day, this evening, Monday night, Tuesday night. And Lord, as has already been done, we commit it to you once again in prayer and give you the praise. And the honor in all things. And it's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. is my reward and all of my devotion now there's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy through every trial my soul will sing no turning back I've been set free Christ is enough for me Christ is enough for me Everything I need is in you Everything I need, Christ my all in all, the joy of my salvation, and this hope will never fail, for heaven is our home, through every storm. My soul will sing, Jesus is here, to God be the glory, Christ is enough for me, Christ is enough for me, everything I need is in Everything I need I have decided to follow 
turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back, the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need, Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for this challenge. Lord, we're so aware of the emptiness and the brokenness in this world because we once had that emptiness inside of us, Lord, but the sufficiency you've given us through Christ, Lord, compels us to take that and share that and to follow you in obedience, Lord, and we thank you for that this morning. We thank you, Lord, that your Son, Jesus Christ, is enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Greg. Well, I just heard that the food is actually ready in the back, so we're going to pray for it here, and then if you want to, our missionaries want to go on back and eat, it depends on if you have food to eat that we know not of, such as rubbing shoulders of the people, we'll leave that up to you, but we're going to pray, and uh, you're free to be dismissed, okay? What time does it start again tonight? Now listen, five o'clock sharp, Adam Drake is going to tell you about Hope Radio, and if, if you're here at 5.03, you're going to miss three minutes of Adam's talk. Uh, so try to be here a little bit early. We're going to start right on time. Uh, well, we might sing one song before he does that. But don't delay. And then Reuben's going to share. And as soon as they're finished, like I'm thinking like six, we're going to eat. And then we're going to let you go. We're not going to hog your whole afternoon up. Uh, and then Monday night and Tuesday night is going to be much the same way. So we tried to make it as condensed so that your time is valued, but we want you to rub shoulders with them. So please make every effort you can. And if you stay home and watch football, may your team lose. May your, <laughs> may your power go out. And uh, may your neighbor's dog chew all your trash up, all right? Let me, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege we have to gather. And thank you for this food you've so graciously provided. Thank you for Brittany and every hand that has made it possible for us to eat and enjoy each other. And we thank you, as we heard this morning, for your great love for us and for Jesus, our Savior. May it move our hearts to be more faithful to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.